When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a new Western Union customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee on your first international online money transfer. Send money to your loved ones back home the fast, easy, and reliable way. Visit westernunion.com or download their app today to get started. And your first transfer fee is free. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985, FX Gain Supply. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. The odds of getting struck by lightning this year are 1 in 700,000. That's actually a much higher likelihood than I thought. (laughs) In the past 60 years, there have been about 1,100 songs that have reached the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Considering there are roughly 7 billion people on this planet, the odds of reaching number one are one in six and a half million. A mathematician is welcome to check my math here, but my point is you're way more likely to be hit by lightning than to have a hit song. (laughs) So we should celebrate anyone who does, even those that do it just once. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. This show is sort of like car talk meets behind the music. Ooh, Clint, I like that. Each episode deals with another question in music fandom. The kind of questions that Clint and I have been debating since we were in college. So today, with the help of some smart people, we're going to come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what is the greatest one-hit wonder of all time? That's the age-old question. Let's start by talking about what do we define one-hit wonder as. Are we saying that an artist had literally one number one song? Well, that's interesting. I think we're talking about bands that reached a certain height in the charts, maybe number one, maybe close to it, and then never got close again. Yeah. And we're going to discuss why. Yes. So I'm going to start by saying I started researching Come On Eileen Mm -hmm. by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Great example. Great song. Turns out they had another number one hit. And I had no idea. They also released 11 albums. And this guy, Kevin Rowland, has 
had a 43-year career with this band and had 52 band members over the course of this. Just different just incarnations. Just different incarnations. So something tells me that guy's tough to work with, right? Like, there must be something going on with that guy where he just blows things up. So I didn't, I actually didn't take Come On Eileen as one of my choices. Interesting. Because this guy has had a massive career. So I'm going straight up for this episode. I'm saying, like, who is one hit? Like, one and done. Like, one and done, and band broke up or whatever, you know? Great. So that's how I'm looking at it. First of all, it's really hard, like you're saying, to get a number one song. Beyond the song itself, beyond the music, beyond the... There's so much there's sex appeal, marketing. Like, all these different things have to play in to have a hit song. The fact that people do it is amazing. Nearly half of all musicians that created a chart hit in the half century between 55 and 2005 never did again. So 47.5% of all hit songwriters never did it again. Not that many. So you said 1,100? 1,100 number one songs on the Billboard Top 100. Wow. It's impossible to have a hit song. It's so crazy. Um, and we were just Jenna Andrews. We had How to Write a Hit Song on, on the podcast. She has been number one with two different artists for like 10 weeks right now. So I, that's incredible. Okay, I guess I'll just start with my first one. Check this out. My first one is going to be No Rain by Blind Melon. Here's an example of a band that had a massive hit song, had a follow-up album, but then their lead singer died. And the real, like, the core of the band, like, he was the band. So they might have had more hits. Correct. So there's a reason for a one-hit wonder. Right. Somebody dies. Right. So Blind Melon, as we all know, is a band in the 90s, and it was from Los Angeles, California. Um, but the lead singer was Shannon Hoon, who was from West Lafayette, Indiana. Huh. Actually cousins of Axl Rose, which helped. The story of their first record is this. They make this four-song EP. They get signed, but they only had four songs. And they thought it was way too slick, so they didn't even release it. They were like, no, this is not the sound. So the record company got them a house in North Carolina. They all moved to North Carolina to live in this house to write songs. The first single from that album was Tones of Home, which I loved that song. And it made, you know, it did okay. But then No Rain happened. And let's just hear No Rain for a second. This is the song that when I went to Middlebury College as a freshman, this was the song. This was like, it was popular at that exact moment. It was just a, an anthem for that year for me. So it's such a deep song for me. I could only name of course, No Rain. What helped that song was the video. The music video. The, the Bumblebee. The Bumblebee girl. That's what I mean. It's so hard to have a hit song. It wasn't even about the song necessarily. It was, the video is what made that song a hit song. And that's why maybe as a one-hit wonder, like 
maybe when there's something else at play, like an insanely catchy video or something else in addition to a good song, that's what brings it up into the consciousness. So, yes. like, listen to the rest of the album. They're not hit songwriters. They weren't, they weren't trying to be hit songwriters. It's just that entered the whole zeitgeist of the population because of that video. And Shannon Hoon died of drug overdose? He did. He recorded on Use Your Illusion and was in the video for Don't Cry by Guns N' Roses. Huh. And that also helped bring them to a point of cultural identity. Right. And then Axl Rose wrote a song called November Rain. He did. <laughs> Greatest song ever. He just added a Vember <laughs> to the Shannon Hoon song. Yeah. It only reached number twenty on the US Hot One Hundred. But it was a hit. And it was a it was maybe not a chart topper, but it was an MTV chart topper. And at the time of MTV, when MTV was still like the most relevant thing. It's it's funny because now that I know that he's related to Axl Rose, similar, like, it's not for everyone. No, correct. And it's high. It's right. high voice. That's why they could never find anyone to replace him. Like, they couldn't, they tried. The band tried to replace him, and they spent, like, I think five years trying to tour with other people, and it just didn't work. Didn't work. He was too much. So that's my first one. Clint, ever heard of the song, My Sharona? My Sharona. Of course you have. What's the band's name? Oh, man. Okay. Maybe some of you just said out loud, The Knack. Oh, yeah, it is The Knack. Can you name another song by The Knack? <laughs> if you did, your name is either Jeff Simons or you were in the band The Knack. <laughs> <laughs> the song was written by Burton Avere and Doug Feger two members of the band, in 15 minutes in 1979. They recorded it in one take, and it took another 15 minutes to mix. It was released in June 1979, and the song was the fastest to reach gold certification since the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand in 1964. What? It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and remained there for six weeks, and though it was released halfway through the year, it finished the year as Billboard's top-selling single. Ahead of songs like The Village People's YMCA. I Will Survive. Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy. In 2015, Avir, my Sharona's co-writer, was asked what he does for a living. He said, I go to the mailbox a couple times a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Clint, let's keep talking about my Sharona for a minute. There's actually quite a lot to say on this song. First, I mentioned it took 15 minutes to write. But remember three episodes ago when we talked about inspiration or theft? This song definitely borrows from a few other established songs. The tom rhythm of the drums was inspired by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles going to a go-go. The riff 
is an inversion of the song Gimme Some Lovin' by the Spencer Davis Group. And the stutter of the is inspired by Roger Daltrey's vocal on the Who classic. The song was an inspiration to Quincy Jones when he was producing the Thriller album for Michael Jackson. He told Michael he wanted a rock and roll song that had the energy and attitude of My Sharona. The resulting song, Beat It. In 2005, President George W. Bush's iPod playlist was published, and this song was in heavy rotation for the president. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. And because we love to mention Weird Al, his version was My Bologna. (laughs) It actually kickstarted Weird Al's career. Wow. After their debut hit in 1979, there was only one way they could go. Yeah. And it was down. Their second album reached number 15, their third reached number 93, and the subsequent four albums failed to even chart. That's a lot of albums, though. Always look on the bright side of life. You're right. I mean, the neck. They kept, they kept they at kept, it. They kept at it. It's hard to keep a band together after success. You've been working on something for years and years, conceivably. You get there, and boy, it's hard. Just the ego and the money and the fame and the really hard to keep a band together. So I, I give it up for the knack for hanging in that long, to be honest. Wasn't My Sharona in Reality Bites? Yes. That's where I know it. Where they're dancing in the yeah. convenience store. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's a good one. My number two is by a Scottish rock duo formed in 1983 by twin brothers, Craig and Charlie Reed. Identical twin brothers. Identical twin Scottish brothers. The Proclaimers. The song is I'm Gonna Be, parentheses, 500 Miles. I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you When I go out Yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you I have a relationship with this song you, I, I've heard you sing this I song I've played this song a lot of times It's really hard to sing this song without a Scottish accent uh, That's my favorite part of this song So... The Proclaimers started as a duo, one acoustic. I think it's just one acoustic. One guy plays tambourine, the other guy plays acoustic guitar. And then they, they were inspired by the punk movement. So I think I'm Gonna Be was on the second record. Now here's a little tidbit. In 1984, the Proclaimers recorded a demo album with the assistance of none other than Kevin Rowland. 
of Dexy's Midnight Runners. There he is again. There he is again. So he helped with the demo, but the real gold landed in 1988, and I'm Gonna Be was by far their biggest song ever. It went to number one in Australia and New Zealand and charted all over the world. Have you ever seen the Proclaimers play this live? No. I saw them play it. I don't know if it was Glastonbury Festival or some festival. People were losing their minds over this song. It was... It gives me chills, like, thinking about it. How awesome that would be for those guys, right? When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. Two brothers, twin brothers, end up with one song <laughs> after their... I mean, I think they kept releasing albums. I think they just released an album. So it's not like they ended. There's a lyric in that song. When I haver. Yeah. Right? Is that, yeah. is that what he's saying? Yeah. When I haver. Yeah. If I haver, hey, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. But I I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. you. <laughs> 11. What, so is, what I, is haver? I want to say it's puking. I don't know. Can we look that up? Oh, no. It's better than that. Oh, what is it? It's Scottish for talk foolishly or babble. Oh, like when you're drunk. Yeah. I see. You know I'm going to be? I'm going to be the man who's babbling to you. I love you. I want to take you to the bar. (laughs) I love you. Is this racist? Can we? Yeah, we can. Okay, we can can do Scottish accents. I've played this song. I've seen the reaction that it gets. It really is an incredibly fun song to play. It's a fun song to listen to. And it's really, you know, I applaud the one-hit wonder. I am, I'm a big fan of the one-hit wonder. I'm a fan of anybody who can get a hit like that. All right. One of the biggest hits of our youth was a song by a Norwegian synth pop group called Aha. Mm-hmm. Take On Me. It was released in the fall of 1984, topping the charts in the UK before topping the charts here in the US in 1985 on the strength of its innovative music video. Remember the video? It combined a pencil sketch animation with live action. Mags, the keyboardist in the band and one of the writers of the song, said, I have no doubt that the video made the song a hit. I don't think it would have been given the time of day without the enormous impact of the video. The video has had more than 1.5 billion views on YouTube. I'm fascinated by non-English speakers or non-native English speakers who write in English and the idiosyncrasies that shape their writing. We're talking away. I don't want to say, I'll say it anyway. Today's another day to find you shying away. I'll be coming for your love, okay? <laughs> that sounds like a Norwegian yeah, writing in English. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be coming for your <laughs> love, okay? <laughs> Sorry to all of our Norwegian listeners. The chorus is take on me, take on me, take me on, take on me. 
I'll be gone in a day or two. (laughs) (laughs) Take on me. Take me on. I'll be gone in a day or two. I don't know why I find that funny. I know. I'll be be gone gone in a day or two. (laughs) It's a vocal showcase for the lead singer, Morton Harkett. Super high range. Not everyone can sing that song. Rolling Stone magazine has described the song as having one of the hardest to sing choruses in pop history. And it's fast. 169 beats per minute. Right. Now, it's true to say that AHA is a one-hit wonder in this country. But in Europe, and specifically in Norway, they've managed to have a long and successful career. In fact, Morton Harkett is apparently worth $60 million. Okay. That feels good. Clint, let's go through a quick-fire round of nominees. Got it. I'm going to hit up Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Great. That song is like... It's so... I had no idea. I thought it was another band altogether. That's the other thing about a one-hit wonder. When you hear... You're like, I know. Of course I know that. I love that song. That's... Who is that? But you're right. It's like in our consciousness. Completely in our consciousness. Probably in a movie yes. that we saw growing up, you know, we heard it on the radio, but never heard of that guy before until right now. You remember The Way by Fastball? I heard this in the car two, three days ago, and I totally had forgotten about it. Couldn't remember who wrote it. Had to ask Siri. I love that song. We actually do that in Dojo, and we did a version of it. We sent it to the band, and they wrote us back. They were like, this is great, guys. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to say Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice. Oh, yeah. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a hawk daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Off the lights and I'll glow to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle. Dance, that booms. I'm killing your brain. I mean, obviously, that guy did nothing else, but it was a huge song, huge song, and he's still famous, right? From it, a lot of these people, like Norman Greenbaum, you're like, who, who is that? Who, the knack, who's that? But you, but you say to a 20 year old, Vanilla Ice, right? They know they're like, Ice, about. Ice Baby, yes, and he's a joke. Maybe. I mean, no offense, Ice, if you're listening, but uh, he did something. He entered the consciousness and remains there. That's a good one. How about Extremes More Than Words? Oh, my. Love that song. You know more about Extreme than I do. I mean, I just know they're like a rock band. But More Than Words was a real outlier for Oh, yeah, yeah. 
And so that's sometimes a problem, right? When you have a hit that doesn't match the right. rest of your catalog. Right. And that's an example. This is from one of the guys in the band. As the 90s went on, we really started to resent the song. We were tagged the more than words guys. We didn't like the perception the song created about the band. I remember being on tour with Aerosmith in Poland, and it was on that tour we decided we would not play the song. We just wouldn't do it. A couple of nights in the tour, Steven Tyler writes in big letters on our dressing room door, play the f***ing song. <laughs> Awesome. He was like, look, this is your first time in Poland. When do you think you'll be back? They want to hear it, so play it. Right. Good for you, Steve Tyler. <laughs> Any more quick nominees? I am going to say one because I absolutely love this song. It's a song by the New Radicals. came out in 1998, You Get What You Give. Hmm. I don't know what it is about this song, but I don't know it. it you do. I don't know what it is. I believe the band is one guy, and I don't know why he ended his fame or why he can clearly write songs. So I don't know. That's a good one. I love that song. Well, you mentioned the Proclaimers. Yeah. Scottish. Scottish. And now we know what Haver means. Yes. To babble and speak <laughs> foolishly. <laughs> Another Scottish band. This one, an alt rock band that had a big hit in 1995 called Roll to Me. Remember the band Delamitri? Oh, yeah. Look around your world, pretty baby. Is it everything you hoped it'd be? The wrong guy, the wrong situation. The right time to roll to me. This song reached number 10 on the U.S. charts. By far their biggest hit. And interestingly, the band considers it one of their less good songs. Huh. And it bothered them that a song that they considered sort of a novelty throwaway song was the song that they became known for, just like Extreme, right? So I feel like that happens quite a bit. So we talked about reasons you could have a one-hit wonder. One is, it's just really hard to have a second yep. hit. Number two, you die, yep. like Shannon Hoon. Yep. Number three, maybe the hit you have actually doesn't totally represent the type of artist that you are. Yeah, and then number four, the band breaks up because they can't handle they the They can't handle the, the, the pressure and the, and, yeah. and the level of fame. Okay, do you know the song, Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> yeah. Of course you do. But do you know anything about the Baja Men? Not a bit. I didn't either. They found massive success in the year 2000 with the release of their version of Who Let the Dogs Out, 
which, by the way, I didn't even realize this was a cover. Wait, what? The Baja Men formed in 1977, and this hit was in the year 2000. Whoa. When they were signed 13 years later to Atlantic, their A&R man, Steve Greenberg, recommended they change their name from High Voltage to Baja Men. The band followed Greenberg to Polygram when he left Atlantic, and their 1997 release sold just 700 copies. <laughs> 700 copies. That's it. And not surprisingly, they were dropped by Polygram. But I mentioned their version was not the original version. In 1998, a guy named Anselm Douglas released a song called Doggy. The next year, the Baja Men recorded their version produced by Steve Greenberg, their old A&R man, who stuck with him through the 700 copy failure. Wow. By the way, <laughs> Steve Greenberg is credited as discovering acts like Hanson, the Jonas Brothers, Josh Stone, among others. Wow. Who Let the Dogs Out was a big hit, but the band's previous seven albums failed to chart, and the band's follow-up album peaked at number 57, and then the next two failed to chart altogether. So, though they've logged some miles as a band, they really were a one-hit wonder. But do you remember the music video? Oh, yeah. Because the music video was actually a massive video sensation. Even now, 20 years later, you can probably picture the video. It was directed by my friend Eric Heimbold, who is the older brother of Pete Francis of Dispatch, who we've talked to on the Who Went Solo the Best episode. Blackbirds of bullet holes. Scattered across. Let's call Eric. Oh my god, I can't wait for this. <laughs> Eric. Rich. You're on with me and Clint Beerman on the age-old question. How's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Clint. I'm a big fan of you guys' podcast, by the way. Thank you. This is great. This episode is what is the greatest one-hit wonder. One of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time is actually a song that you directed the music video for, Who Let the Dogs Out? Yep. That is true. <laughs> what was it like to direct this music video and what's it like to be associated with one of the great one-hit wonders of all time? Well, it was in 2000, and I received this song to like write a proposal for a music video on an audio cassette tape, which was so, you know, 1980s. So I had to dig out a boombox that had the cassette player and listen to the song. And I immediately identified it as a little bit of a catchy tune. So I was kind of psyched about it. But the leader of the band, this guy named Isaiah Taylor, he was like an older man, and they had put their nephews and I think their nephews and some younger guys as their front guys. So the three you see in the video were like kind of new additions to the band. Interesting. And the older guys were a little bummed up because they didn't get enough camera time, but I felt that it was good that <laughs> the young approach, you know. The song was being paid for by Paramount Pictures for the Rugrats movie. So when thinking about the song and the energy of it and knowing that it had to be kind of intercut with an animated children's film, I wanted the video to be really bright and colorful and have a good snappy feel. So I went with that fisheye lens undercranked look. Yep, yep. And so that really nailed, nailed it and brought it home. No idea that the song would ever be popular, not even close to what it turned into. But the weirdest experience of making that thing was once we released it, we just started hearing it like everywhere in cars and then 
in stadiums and the sports marketing for that song was really special it took off and by the end of the summer it was you know that was like the best world series baseball year 2000 it was the subway series between the mets and the yankees do you remember that yes wow yeah and the mets adopted the song and changed it to who let the mets happen with a count of three and one for the first time since 1986 the mets are going to the world series Huh. And um, I was lucky enough to go to one of the games, and they had all these little doggy puppets and stuff on sticks and wow. everything. And by that time, I mean, by the fall, it was just everywhere. I guess because Paramount owned Nickelodeon, and I think they were just carpeting that music video with the movie and stuff on Nickelodeon for months, too. So every child in the United States was kind of catching on to it. And it became a nursery school song, too, right? It's like a baby shark phenomenon. It was like a baby shark phenomenon, yeah. like tiny and and the song's not bad. You know, it's like a really fun, danceable thing. So I don't know, it just took off. I haven't seen it happen with another song since. Well, you also directed another song that who would have expected this becoming a massive hit, and that was Brian Setzer's "Jump Jive and Whale." Yeah, absolutely. And really, you know, people should go back and look at that video and, and hear that song because it really, that was kind of like the cherry on the top of this whole swing dance phenomenon that was that was sweeping the country. Yes. And everyone was doing hairdos and girls were dressing up in beautiful, fun 1940s dresses with chunky heels and hitting the dance floors and swinging around. That video was particularly good because the choreographer that I was lucky enough to work with Travis Payne ended up becoming like Michael Jackson's choreographer. Travis brought in some really good dancers, and then Brian and his people brought in just this wonderful core group of people that love to go to those events with hot rods and dressing up and all that kind of stuff. And so that video was kind of magical the way that turned out. I mean, it's hard to say that Brian Setzer was a one-hit wonder, but like, but on a pop, on a pop mainstream yeah. level, that really was like a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, without exaggeration, I want to say of all the artists I've worked with, and it's been a bunch, Brian Setzer is like a true genius. You know, he's like the top rockabilly guitarist in the world the guy is the genius now he really experiments and explores and i was so impressed with this idea of him fronting a 19-piece orchestra when you approach working on who let the dogs out or jump jive and whale or any of the music videos that you've done and you've as you say you've done a ton what's your process it's a really good question but you listen to the song a lot and um and then you explore all ideas. You're like, should we do this, do that? And you kind of just have to go through them. And you have to list all the ideas, even the obvious ones, until you find something that you think will be unique and gripping and fun. And then eliminate all the obvious stuff until you find something that's a little special and fun. A style is what I go for visually with music videos. A look. Hmm. A fashion thing. Or 
Well, it's, it's interesting because both of those videos, I remember them so vividly. They had such a clear right. like look, a distinct look that I remember still. Yeah. Yeah, the look is a lot because it's a music video, right? It's not going to be a deep thinking thing. So I go with colors a lot. I think about the colors, the colors of the location and the colors of what the guys are going to wear um, from the very beginning, you know, and it's kind of like, I forget, there's a famous comedian who says, you know, you don't want to grab your audience in the beginning you want to reach out and strangle your audience in like the first few seconds so <laughs> you want something that's resting and catches someone's attention in a weird cool way but a good music video is nothing without a great song and both of those songs are really excellent and i also think that the video in a lot of these one hit wonders that we're analyzing is what is sending them to the top so like they are great songs we talked about take on me by aha and that video made that band no rain the b-girl made that song and so i think the video is plays as much a part in getting something to the number one spot of the billboard chart as the song itself so essentially you have some number one hits yeah it's i awesome. do i don't know how that happens really but you know you just get personally involved and it's kind of just lucky that you are connected with an amazing artist and a great song and then all you have to do is just kind of not f- up, you know, but Shakespeare says there's many a slip betwixt the cup and the lip. So you have to kind of focus. Eric, thanks so much for joining the Age Old Question. Thanks, Eric. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. Damn. Shooting star in the ambulance. Do you remember Jump Jive Well? Oh, yeah. The song itself was big, but the video yeah. where like the it's coming out of the trombone yeah. or I'm I'm really convinced that the video, yes, in a lot of these, like I'm still looking at this list. I'm looking at. I know the video for a lot of these songs. Well, let's right. do our picks. My pick for the greatest, and I'm not saying greatest song, one hit wonder. I'm saying this is a massive hit, and only one, right? And just this is it. I'm gonna go Macarena by Los Del Rio, because this was a massive massive tune huge so the duo formed in 1962 right? and what year was macarena mid 90s so they're we're talking 30 years 30 years before commercial success wow and so let's just talk about this song for a second the guy wrote it they were in venezuela they were invited to a private party at this guy's house and there they saw this flamenco dancer do her thing and one of the guys was so inspired by this, he just spit out that chorus. There's only two chords in the song, so he just sang the thing. Wow. And then they put it on the record. But what really made the thing a hit was a remix was done of it. The Bayside Boys who remixed the song and added the English lyrics. And that's the version we know. Everybody was doing the Macarena. Well, it's like what Eric was saying about Who Let the Dogs Out, where they had a huge sports marketing campaign. I feel like Macarena did too. Absolutely. As did na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, good, that's a one-hit wonder too. Yes. I don't even know the name of that band, but that was all sports. I don't know who came up with the dance, though. 
Right. I wonder if that was the video. Oh. I don't know. Again. I'm have to look into that. Like maybe the choreographer came right. up with. Like didn't even mean to. And right. just And it became like the other day, my wife spontaneously broke into the Macarena. Okay. And in like, 2021. In 2021. So that's what, 30 years after yeah. it came out. Right. And 60 years after the band started, started. started. The top of the charts for 14 weeks. That's a major part of the year. I hope those guys made some money. I hope so too. Macarena. Macarena. It's not my favorite song. Has to be in the consideration. It has to be in the consideration because a you don't know the band name. No one has ever heard anything else those guys did. That's right. amazing. Who you got, Rich? So I'm going to go with a song by a guy whose real name was Anthony L. Ray, otherwise known as Sir Mixalot. <laughs> His one hit is "Baby Got Back" from 1992. It was released in the spring of '92. Produced by who? Rick f***ing Rubin. Come on. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. He produced Baby Got Back? He produced Baby Got Back. What a baller. So your girlfriend rolls a Honda. Playing workout takes by Fonda. But Fonda ain't got a motor in the back of her Honda. My Anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hun. You can do side bends or sit-ups. But please don't lose that butt. It hit number one, and it spent five weeks at the top of the charts. I have to play you this clip from Dana Carvey's new podcast. (laughs) It's a hilarious podcast called Fantastic with Dana Carvey. In this episode, he credits Sir Mix-a-Lot with getting him into rap. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. That's a little bit like Laurie saying, got to admit it, Dane. (laughs) So he likes him. He wants to lie, but he just can't. (laughs) I love that. So good. He wanted to keep it to himself, but I like big butts and I cannot lie. That's brilliant. The song, for all its catchiness, is actually a profound cultural statement of broadening social definitions of beauty. He says, I ain't talking about Playboy because silicone parts are made for toys. I ain't talking about Playboy because silicone parts are made for toys. And Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that. that. (laughs) Love that. So Cosmo says you're fat. Well, I ain't down with that. I basically know all the words of this song 30 years after it came out, and I can't name a single other song from Sir Mixelot. Can you? Not even a little bit. That is a remarkable one hit wonder. Yep. It's played at every event, right? Any DJ plays this song. It harkens back to early 90s rap. It's funny. funny. That's the thing. And, you know, it spoke to broadening the cultural definition of beauty. Yeah. Wow. All from a, almost like a skit, right? Lonely Island. Kind it's of like song. a Lonely Island. Yeah. Like I love big butts and, and I, I cannot, cannot lie. lie. I'd like to lie, I, but, I, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we named a bunch of one-hit wonders, and I think we touched on the big ones. I think we did it. I think I we think did, did it too. It I think we did it too. Thank you for listening. We hope you had fun. Certainly as much fun as we did, and we hope you'll join us next time when we answer another. Age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age-Old Question. Facebook, The Age-Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating.
By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity, serving up a powerful yet gentle clean in just 29 minutes. Making this the sound of savings on the best appliance brands. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off the LG wash tower with ultra-large capacity and reduced wash time. Pricing valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. Gas Extra, U.S. only. See store or online for details. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 